0: Um, and today we're going to be looking at hospitality, one of my favourite things in the whole world. Um, it's awesome. I think that um, as as a church we do hospitality really well, really, really well. I think the gospel community framework lends itself to hospitality. We have a lot of people who are gifted in hospitality, and we just we do it really well. Good on you. I was joking with Paul and Steph this week that I could just come up here and say keep at it, and then just go and sit back down, because you do a great job. So, I don't want to stand up here and say how, all the ins and outs of how we can be hospitable. I want to say why, why we should be, why we should keep going, and why we should, what what's going to encourage us to do this. And throughout, I'm going to be weaving in a few hows, um, but mostly why. And um, and there's so much in here that I won't fit in today. There's so much, uh, so much that doesn't fit into a 20-minute talk. Um, but let's just keep talking about it, keep thinking about it, keep asking questions. And uh, the Bible says that, that one of the uh, qualifications for an elder is to be hospitable. So, so look at your elders and learn to be hospitable. And look at the people who have the gifts and, and, and learn from them about how to be Hospitable as well. Um, but yeah, I'm going to look at why mostly today. And last week we looked at uh, be loving to one another. And Dan led us through that. And, and he said that to love is, is being devoted to the good of the other. Being devoted to the good of the other. And he also said that it's kind of an umbrella one another. And uh, it fully is. It's... Um, being, hot, being hospitable to one another is de, undid, wait, undetachable or deta, undetachable from love one another. The three main places in the New Testament that it talks about being hospitable are directly after talking about love. And hospitality, in and of itself, the, the, the Greek word is made up of two very popular Greek words, uh, philos and kenos. They literally mean love. Philos means love and kenos means stranger. So the word hospitality in and of itself means loving of strangers. But Paul in Romans 12 and and Peter in 1 Peter 4 in a way, uh, they speak this loving of strangers into a context where we should be making a rhythm, where we should be uh, making a practice and making a habit of doing this also amongst ourselves. So, I used this opportunity of speaking about hospitality to invite myself and Annie and Alba over to Jack and Martin's place this week. (laughs) It was great. Not that I need an excuse, I actually wanted to talk about hospitality, and we did. And we ate amazing food, and we drank amazing drinks, and we played games, and we talked about God, and we talked about hospitality. It was awesome. When we were talking about hospitality... And they said they explained to me what hospitality was, and they said that it's creating a space where people feel included, creating a space where people feel loved, people feel welcomed, creating a space where people feel at home. And that's what I want to try and uh, focus on this morning: creating a space where people feel at home, because I think that's spot on. That's that's how we love the stranger. That's how we love uh, one another. And why? So the question we're going to look at is, uh, why should we create this space? Why should we create this space and be hospitable? Why should we be loving of strangers and one another? And there's three points, three points that I want to focus on that will help us to answer this question and grab a hold of it. So they are, hospitality started with God, hospitality serves God, and hospitality shows God, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll get stuck in. Father, thank you so much that you've gifted us with hospitality, a way that we can eat together and get to know each other and create a space where where um, yeah we can we can be at home with one another, and thank you that you've shown us what that is. and I pray that you show us more and more, uh, yeah, as the day draws near, where you return, Lord. Um, yeah, I pray that this morning will be uh, really encouraging for all of us um, and that we'll, be, we'll grow in hospitality together, in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, um, Annie and I went over to and Nita's for dinner and we invited Annie's brother along. He came along and it was an awesome night. We ate dinner and we sat around the table for, for quite a while. And we end up deciding, let's, let's take communion. Let's eat bread and wine and remember Jesus. And the way that we're going to do this, we're going to try it a new way. We're going to go around and, and each tell a story or, or each just share something. And when one person shares something, another person will try and speak Jesus into that situation. And it was hard. It was a, it was a really good practice, but it was pretty tricky. Um, it was raw. It was, it was a little bit messy. Um, but it was really, really amazing. Um, and Jesus was made much of. I'm sure uh, you guys all have similar stories where you've, you've been at someone's house and Jesus has been made much of, or a space is created where you're feeling at home, um, or where you're the stranger, where you're the visitor, and you've felt loved, and you've left going, why did they love me that well? I'm sure you all have that similar story. Um, so why should we be hospitable? Why are we to love strangers and love one another? Well, the first point, hospitality started with God. In Leviticus 19, I'm just going to turn there. Feel free to turn there. The words will be up on the board. In Leviticus 19, right at the beginning, well, almost at the beginning of the Bible, um, God is giving Moses a set of ways that he wants Israel to live, Israel, his people, giving Moses a set of ways that he wants them to live. He's speaking to Moses and he says, go back to Israel and tell them this. He says, tell them to be holy as I'm holy. He says, tell them to honor their mother and father. Tell them to, uh, not to lie and not to steal. And in the midst of it, that's all in Leviticus Le- 19, and in the midst of this, He says in verse 33 and 34, When a foreigner or a stranger resides among you in your land, don't mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourselves, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And when he says, I am the Lord your God, he's essentially saying, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, I'm the one who took you under my wing, I'm the one who is hospitable to you I'm the one who created a space where you felt at home remember this I'm the one who treated you as a native born so from the beginning of the Bible uh, to the end of the Bible there's references of loving strangers, references of hospitality, creating a space where people feel at home and in the New Testament there's imperatives be hospitable, do this it's a part, this shows that it's a part of God's design for his people. Just a few verses before, Leviticus 19 still, but in verse 9 and 10, it says this. He says, go and tell Israel, he says to Moses, go and tell my people, when you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Don't go around the vineyard a second time, or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I'm the Lord your God. This is um, 3,000-year-old language for budget. um, This is is God saying, when you plant your crops, think about the fact that you're going to be leaving a margin. You still need to take enough for yourself, but you're leaving a margin so that when the poor come through, when the stranger comes through, they can have something to benefit from. For us, we don't have, or well, most of us don't have uh, grain fields or vineyards, but we do have a salary. We We have jobs and we have money coming in, and we shouldn't spend right to the edges. We should be leaving a margin so that the stranger, the person that God puts in your life that comes through, can benefit from that margin. It started with God. This is, this is God's design for His people. This is God's design for humankind, that we'd love the stranger as one of our own and that we, we wouldn't make it an afterthought. It started with God because it's His design for His people. Now, the second point, hospitality serves God. The second part of the word... Uh, hospi- Hospitalities. So there's philos and then there's kenos, and that Greek word kenos comes up in Matthew 25. But before we turn there, um, I just want to ask you a question. I w- I'm going to give you like a few seconds to think about it as well, so you can actually, if Jesus, and you, kn- you knew it was Jesus, if he came and knocked on your door one evening, how would you respond? What would you do? Just think about that. How would you treat him? Matthew 25, verse 35 to 40 says this. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine... You did for me. When Jesus comes and knocks on your door, what did, you, what did you think? Did you think I would, of course I would invite him in. I'll crack out my the best bottle of wine I have. I'll get the best box of chocolates I have. I'll cook up a feast because I know he loves food. <laughs> Is that what you thought? That's what I thought when I was thinking about it. Not that we have a good bottle of wine. But... Um, who here thought you would open the door and leave the screen door shut and just go, oh, Jesus, not today. Not today. Sorry, really bad timing, actually. House is a mess. Kids aren't in bed. I actually don't have enough food in the house. I've got to get up early in the morning. I'm really tired. Not today. Let's book a time in three weeks. Who thought that? None of you, right? It seems silly to think of it in that way because is Jesus going to come and knock on your door? But what did he just say? He just said, whatever you do for the least of these, whatever you do for the stranger, the hungry, the thirsty, whatever you do for these people who are sick or in prison, that's what you're doing for me. The person who comes through your life, the person who who enters into your life, what you do for that person, you're doing for Jesus. Are you going to make time for them in the same way that you make time for Jesus? Are you going to be generous with them in the same way that you'd be generous for Jesus? This doesn't necessarily mean going out and, and uh, just calling everyone on Springwood Main Street to your house and cooking up a banquet every night. That's great. Do that every once in a while. Um, but this passage in Leviticus is talking about the stranger that comes through, the one who enters your life. So the people who God has put in your life now, invite them. Invite them in. Don't worry if your house is a bit of a mess. That's, I seriously think that messy houses are one of the most normal things in the universe. Don't worry if your house is a bit of a mess. Don't worry if the kids aren't in bed. That's awesome. They can see how you relate to your kids, how you show Jesus to your kids. How you fall short of being a good parent, but how you rely on God. They can see all of that stuff. And these things help. These things help to create a space where the stranger feels at home because they're normal. They're normal things that everyday people experience. So by doing this, by inviting the stranger, uh, by being hospitable and loving to the stranger, by feeding the hungry, by, by giving a drink to the thirsty, you're doing this for Jesus. It serves hospitality, serves God. It's the third point. Hospitality shows God. How good is this photo? It's just pre-social distancing. Look at that guy just chowing down on his burger. Awesome. That's got nothing to do with it. But Hospitality is my... Ah, oh, I was thinking about this this week. This it's my greatest joy, I reckon. I love just sitting around a table with people eating good food, talking about Jesus. I think that's, that's honestly my greatest joy. Have you ever gone to someone's house and you, you leave feeling like you love God more? <laughs> that's what we want people to experience because we've experienced that. We've tasted that. We want others to experience that, hopefully. And we've already touched, touched on the fact that it starts with God, that it's His design for His people, but He also continued to show it and He continues to show hospitality throughout the whole Bible. And remember that whatever God does to us, he intends to do through us. He created a space for people to feel at home. He created the world for Adam and Eve. We put Adam and Eve in the world and he created a place where they felt at home. He invited people to live life with him. He's invited us to live life with him. He fed them. He fed Adam and Eve with trees. He fed Israel with manna, bread in the wilderness. He he fed uh, he fed thousands of people with bread and fish. And then his his body broken on the cross, he fed us with the bread of life. He gave us things to enjoy. He's given us music and flavours and experience and stories. God is hospitality. In the four Gospels, there are three times that it says the Son of Man came. The Son of Man is just another name for Jesus in the Gospels. It says, it's three times it says the Son of Man came. Two of them are what he came to do. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The third one is how the Son of Man came, how Jesus came. It says the Son of Man came eating and drinking. How good's that? He came eating and drinking, so much so that he actually got slandered for it. He was called a glutton and a drunkard. He obviously wasn't, but he ate and drank so much, he loved it, because it's in that space that that there's relationship, that there's community, that there's fellowship. Space was created around Jesus where people felt at home. So he ate and he drank, he shared meals, he shared laughs, he shared stories, so many stories. And he didn't do this with the popular cool kids with the best board games. He did this with the lowest of the low. He did this with the prostitutes. He did this with the, the scum. He did this with the, the people that nobody wanted to be around. That's who he shared with. And it didn't matter to Jesus that he didn't have his own house. He hosted at other people's houses. In, um, in Luke 14, Jesus goes to eat at a, a prominent Pharisee's house. And while he's there... Um, there's a, there's a person with abnormal swelling, and, and he asks around the dinner table. He says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And nobody answers him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked a question around the dinner table and nobody answers? How awkward. So Jesus just reaches out and heals this person. He is the one to create the space where this stranger felt at home. The Pharisees were doing nothing to create that space. Jesus hosted at someone else's house. We don't need to be in our own houses to host, to make people feel at home. We can be at someone else's house. We could be at a cafe. We could be on a walk. We could be at our workplace or visiting the elderly. We don't need to be in our homes to be hospitable. It's creating a space where people feel at home. It's loving the stranger. It's loving one another. And we can show Jesus form of hospitality through this. What he does to us, he wants to do through us. Um, and Jesus' hospitality was authentic as well. I think that's really, I think that's really, really key, actually. Jesus' hospitality was authentic. He didn't lie, he didn't, try and, he didn't fake, he didn't try and hide himself behind anything. He was authentic. Janie van der Stelt, Jeff van der Stelt's wife, talks about living with intentionality. She said that what the world needs to see, what the stranger needs to see, what the foreigner needs to see, and, and in fact what the body of Christ needs to see is this. She says this, they need to see who you truly are. They need to see your junk as well as your joy. They need to see where you go to when you're full of despair. They need to see that when you're depressed, you go to Jesus. Or sometimes you feel like you can't go to Jesus, and that's honest too. That's letting people into your world and being a part of their world. That's key. In the book, um, Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis, the main character, the Queen of Gloam, um, she thinks that she's so ugly that she hides her face with a veil. And she realizes that this this veil has power because because behind this veil, people no longer uh, look at her face or think a certain thing of her. They they start recognizing her voice. They start recognizing that she has authority in her voice and, and she has power. She has power to lead people because of this veil, and I think hospitality can sometimes be like this. We put a veil over uh, over the messiness, over the things we don't like. We put a veil over those things—a veil of of um, of perfect living, a veil of cleanliness. But we can't hide behind that. That's not honest. We've got to be honest. We've got to discipline our kids when people are there. And when people are there and your house is a mess, kick stuff under the lounge like you would when they're not there. It's fine. Say grace in the same way you would when people aren't there, when it's just you and your family. Share real stories. Laugh and cry. Share hurt and then share how Jesus speaks into that hurt. Or that he, he hasn't yet, but you know that He will. Because by doing this, you're showing God and his hospitality, his love towards strangers and saints. John's Gospel says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. Invite strangers and people will see God and Christ, that's if one another are there as well. I want to go back to that story about um, having Annie's brother over for dinner, because to us, it was a pretty ordinary night. It was like we tried something new with communion and that was great. And, but other than that, it was pretty ordinary. We were talking about Jesus, we were eating good food, we sat around the dinner table for a while. We created a space where Tom felt at home. But about a year later, Tom came to me and Annie and he said he reminded us of that night. And he said how real and authentic our love for Jesus was, changed his life. He didn't realize, but he wasn't following Jesus in the way that he wanted to. And he realized that night, in in, in a night that we thought was pretty ordinary, a night that we thought was, was pretty standard, God was at work. And it, this was nothing that... Um, We, or Rowan Neat, did. We simply created a space where he felt at home and we were authentic in our faith. That's all that we did. God did the rest. There was no deep theological debate. There There was nothing to be scared of. It was authentically ordinary hospitality. Authentically ordinary hospitality. And it changed his life. Tom saw Jesus through that and it changed his life. Um, Rosaria Butterfield, I kind of stole this from her. I said, authentically, ordinary hospitality. She said, radically, ordinary hospitality. Um, She says this. She's the author of uh, The Gospel Comes of a House Key. She said, radically, ordinary hospitality. Those who live it see strangers as neighbours, and neighbors as family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. That's white, black, Democrat, Republican. That's that's Star Wars fan, non-Star Wars fan. They recoil at, at seeing people as a category or a label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors, they seek out the underprivileged, they know that the gospel comes with a house key. As we share meals, as we share stories, as we share music, and as we share laughs, and as we, share, as we cry, and as we play games, we're reflecting a glimmer of what Jesus has done for us, the way he's invited us in. This is normal as well. This is hospitality. (laughs) We're reflecting the exact character of Jesus when we do this. We're loving the stranger physically. We're loving the stranger spiritually. We're being hospitable to one another. We're being hospitable to the stranger. And throughout this, we're serving God. Isn't this, that's just the best thing that God's ever created, I reckon. All of this over a meal. <laughs> so good. Uh, so I have, like, I have so many other thoughts. Um, so let's keep talking about it. Talk about it with your housemates and your spouse mates, and talk about it with your families and your gospel communities um, about how we're going to do this. Watch others. Watch people who are doing it well. Watch the elders and, and, and learn how to do it. This is, this is why we should do it. So back to the question... Why should we create a space and be hospitable? Why should we be loving of the strangers and one another? Well, because hospitality started with God. It's His design for His people. Because hospitality serves God. Whatever we do for the stranger, we do for Him. Because hospitality shows God. As we're authentically ordinary in our hospitality, people will see God through us. And who knows? Maybe... God will change their lives. So let's be hospita- hospitable <laughs> to one another and to the stranger. Amen.